Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, we hosted the Mayor's Town Hall with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, where we took your calls and answered your questions. And access to Premier Doug Ford has proven to be, well, difficult of late. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It's the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us here in studio. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. I, uh, I promise not to, uh, to eliminate the media. Or anyone else, quite frankly. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, just the other way around. We invited you in this time. I know, right? I know, but you know what? I mean, maybe I could say. You know what? We're going to get into that. I mean, lack of transparency really bothers me, and and, yep. and I know that even on the local level, city council level. I mean, you guys hear about this all the time about closed door meetings and, and camera meetings, and and maybe I, I'll tell you what. I don't want to get too deeply into the weeds with this, but there are reasons sometimes why you need to go behind closed doors, uh, and they're very strict, and uh, and they're predominantly, or they are only, uh, you know, any any kind of real estate matters, con- contractual matters that uh, obviously you can't divulge until uh, things are more complete. Uh, legal uh, legal advice, uh, you know, that you want to get. Uh, you, all, you don't want to put all your cards on the table so everyone can see what the what the legal issues are that uh, you might have to defend or not defend. And uh, and personnel issues. That's it. Uh, we are very, very strict. And uh, we have the, the, the mission of the clerk is uh, if we stray, you know, if we wander off on a, on a topic that is not supposed to be in camera, uh, then, you know, most hands go up and saying that's not part of what, why we're here in camera and we need to uh, get back e- either on the topic or out of camera. So it's pretty strict, but and, I know... It, I is, know it, it is being monitored by the city clerk while totally, you're behind closed doors. Totally. And, and it's much better than it used to be. I, 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 you know, back in our day, it was a little bit more loosey-goosey, I think. Uh, you know, people would get, get into camera under the same, uh, you know, guise and parameters and then weigh into, you know, a number of other things that uh, really shouldn't have been in the private discussion phase. So we're not there anymore. Uh, and for all the right reasons, I think that's the right, uh, right place for us to be. And if there's ever uh, any doubt, uh, people can challenge that. And there's been a number of challenges to the, uh, to the ombudsman and to, and to the integrity commissioner in the province. And uh, nine times out of 10, uh, it, it, it's, it's clear and uh, there is no, no conflict and uh, we're, we're doing it appropriately. All right. Uh, Economic development news, and and we just heard this earlier this morning on CHML. Mm-hmm. I guess the bottom line here is we're we're, we're going to make more candy here. More candy. Well, you know what? Uh, we've it's had never a, we, a bad thing. No, no. You know, uh, everything goes better with chocolate, in my view. And I'm I'm not I'm not promoting my uh, my sister-in-law in Dundas, but uh, chocolate is a good thing, and they uh, they provide uh, you know lots of candy throughout the country and. You know, for Hamilton, it's about jobs. And, uh, you know, right now this expansion will uh, provide 50 more jobs. So some 300-plus people will be working at this uh, at this plant in the West End. We have Karma Candy, uh, you know, on the uh, in, in more central on uh, the old Allen Candy factory uh, location. And they're, uh, they're crackling along pretty aggressively as well. So these new uh, job-enhancing opportunities uh, keep on coming. We had Panettone uh, up at the... Uh, Airport Employment Growth District uh, announced uh, or saw turning done that uh, is going to employ about 300 people there, and, and they've got uh, expansion plans as well for another million square feet of uh, of uh, logistics space. So, uh, you know, we're crackling along on the commercial industrial side, and that's a really big issue for Hamilton. So, you know, the residential growth happens, and, uh, you know, we really don't have to do much to, to, to have that occur because the market is going to buoyant in that area. The big challenge is making sure that we have future employment for uh, for all of those uh, those residents that are coming in, and uh, that's a particularly keen focus for our economic development department, and certainly one for me as well. Uh, speaking of development and land development, uh, earlier this week we found out Stelco is now working with uh, your departments, the city departments, mm-hmm. about land development with the old Stelco lands, which 
without trying to open up old wounds, or something that the city had their eye on some time ago, but sure. that's water under the bridge now. It's history, yep. Do you have any, any input into that at all? I mean, we could, basically what they're doing is subdividing some of that land, I guess, for different usages. Is that about it? Uh, they're doing that, and they're aggressively looking for uh, for to, to fill those spaces. So they've made a couple of announcements in terms of uh, they haven't announced who it is, but they've announced that the the leases have been arranged for people to move into those spaces, and they're taking a very broad brush view of that it doesn't all have to be specifically industrial. So they're even looking at film location uh, opportunities. They're looking at uh, arts arts and entertainment opportunities, uh, you know, in all of those spaces so that they can uh, quickly put those uh, those facilities into use on the short term and then, uh, you know, start looking at longer term uses uh, that are, and, and we've agreed, uh, between uh, – Mr. Kestenbaum and the city that uh, the mission is, uh, you know, highest and best use, uh, maximum employment opportunities, and uh, and and commercial industrial tax base that uh, that benefits not only the company but the uh, the taxpayers of the city of Hamilton as well. So I think the, the 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 very clear and present opportunity in terms of commercial industrial land is actually the uh, the former Stelco lands because they're there they're they're already developed they're already serviced they're for all intents and purposes ready to go, and so we've got got two opportunities happening simultaneously, one that was actually future-oriented that is now starting to uh, to gel, and one that uh, historically has been there that has now opened itself up for additional opportunities that could happen almost immediately. Well, we'll be watching the progress on that and uh, tracking uh, what's going to be happening there, uh, limitless possibilities there. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Councillor Farr on the, uh, on the show yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the Council's decision to basically... Uh, I, do some pairing on this uh, rather aggressive waterfront project that we've been talking about for the last number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a significant amount of money that they're cutting here. Are you are you concerned about that? Disappointed? And I guess the other the first question you look at it, did council maybe overreach when they had came out with these grand plans initially? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, you know costs have been increasing across the board. We're seeing those kind of cost increases on just about everything that uh, that's coming through now in terms of uh, the bids and contracts and procurement. So I'm not I'm not terribly surprised. And you know we'll see what the what the potential cuts could look like. And it may very well be that these are not cuts that are going to be doable, and it's it's going to hamper the project to the degree that it won't be viable. So I don't we, I don't think we want to get into that space. But until such time as we know where where the pairing is and what it looks like and whether it's actually functionally going to change what uh, the vision for the site is, uh, we'll know better then when we uh, we actually see it on paper and, and, and look at what's what's available there. But if we uh, if if we have to, uh, you know, and I'm not one to you know take a short term view and say let's just cut that off and and you know the project will be that much better. I, I want to make sure that it's a viable project. So if if we need to, then uh, you know we may have to keep that 50 million dollars in there. Is there a concern if you if you do too much in the way of of, of cutting here that you I, I mean the one of the ultimate goals here is you want to attract private sector investment but totally. it, it's got to be attractive to them for them to actually write a check here right is is there a, a balance you have to strike there uh, completely and uh, you know all depending I mean it's uh, you know the the, the the notion of cutting comes from well we didn't intend to spend that much and therefore you know let's look at seeing seeing if we can pare it down. But I think the viability of the project has to be has to be uh, has to stand up over time, and so uh, we're going to have to create that balance of okay, we can pair that off, and it's not going to harm the project. We can save some money there, uh, but if it's something that's going to harm the the long term viability of the project, then we're, we we may have to just suck it up. 
So this is an ongoing analysis. Yeah, I think uh, we're not done yet. So uh, you, you know, uh, to date we've not seen the you know what those cuts might look like, and what the impacts might be. Once we have that, we'll have a better idea of how that might play out. All right, nine zero five six four five thirty two twenty one star nine nine hundred. Your questions, your comments for Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. This is the Mayor's Town Hall on the Bill Kelly Show nine hundred CHML. Let's go to the phones right now. Bob, thanks for joining us on the program. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Go ahead for the mayor. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, I've been a, I'm a Hamilton resident, and I've flown out of Hamilton Airport many, many times. Frankly, the terminal, passenger terminal, is embarrassing. I flew in from Halifax, and a lady next to me, she says, this is it. Hamilton has an airport like this, where you have to step outside, walk down stairs or a ramp. They throw salt down in the winter so you don't smell and then go inside. Mm -hmm. Is there any future plans for an expansion of the airport terminal? Thank you, Bob, for that question, and that's uh, that's really totally dependent on the volume of passenger traffic that goes through there. So there has been a significant, uh, you know, fluctuation over the years in terms of uh, passenger loading, and uh, it's very, you know, when, when the private operator started, it was about thirty thousand uh, passengers per year, and today it's up up at about a half a million, and uh, it seems to be growing. And so I think that volume will dictate what kind of investment will occur in the in the terminal itself. It's uh, it. It, it lies with the operator, so uh, they they're responsible for uh, making sure that the, they've uh, they've got a good passenger experience, and uh, we would encourage them to continue to improve uh, the uh, the covering of uh, you know how people get in and out of the airplane, and uh, you know the investment in uh, some sort of a some sort of a uh, you know a telescoping uh, you know platform that uh, might be useful uh, going forward is something that uh, we encourage them to look at because I think the passenger experience will certainly dictate uh, how people appreciate the airport and how how well they want to use it. Having said that, uh, we need carriers. Uh, you know we need more carriers coming to this airport. Uh, you know Air Canada is there in a very limited way. We could use more more. Uh, WestJet traffic, more Air Canada traffic, and all of that is dictated on uh, where do they want to actually focus their air, uh, their passenger loading, uh, whether it's Toronto, Hamilton, or elsewhere. So uh, it's been an ongoing competitive issue, and uh, as long as uh, you know the passenger loading uh, doesn't really uh, increase, I think it's going to be hard to justify that sort of investment. Well, thanks very much, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I know I've been in Halifax, a beautiful airport, yep. Moncton. And anyway, we've got more. We've got no no question, Bob. There's more to do here, and uh, you know, as as the uh, the success of the airports continues to expand out, uh, we will see more investments happening to make it a a much better passenger experience. I would say, from where they started to where we are now, has been a dramatic difference. Uh, But uh, you know, if we want to compete with uh, other airports uh, in Canada and uh, even around the world. Uh, we need to kind of step it up more to uh, to provide that better passenger experience for sure. Thanks very much for the call, Bob. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Uh, in our discussions with Kathy Puckering and some of the other members of the board up there, they, I know they have a plan, mm-hmm. uh, a long-term plan. Uh, and, and, you know, there's drawings in somebody's drawer there as to what this is going to look like. But this is kind of a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? You know, if the passenger numbers increase, we can do this. Well, you know, maybe the passenger numbers will increase if you do do this. Yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a business decision because it's a huge investment. It's a huge investment. Uh, it's got to be justified by by a revenue stream, and uh, if the revenue stream on the passenger side isn't isn't quite there, then uh, it's going to be hard for them to justify. We're also in the middle of uh, discussions around the uh, the long term lease. 
that's happening currently, and that uh, that uh, you know will, will continue to be a bit of a factor in terms of the kind of investments that that they uh, they're they're going to make there. I think their lease runs you know another thirty years, but they're looking for an extension. And I think part of the discussions that we're having is what kind of investments are you going to make? What uh, where can we see enhancements in the uh, in the airport that uh, that you can bring in? Uh, there's always the issue of uh, potentially getting capital dollars from the federal government. They invest in airports right across the Which, country. Which, by the way, is what Halifax also got. I mean, a of lot course. of those places that we're using as comparators here uh, have had a hand up from the federal government. They they have, and uh, that is certainly something that we continue to work on to uh, to see if we can get them to uh, to make investments that are going to improve the passenger experience in our airport. Uh, we can't. Uh, we we certainly encourage the operator to make investments. Uh, we are still uh, responsible for for land acquisition up there as the airport yeah. needs it, and that's uh, that's a responsibility that we've taken seriously. We actually purchased land for a, a runway extension that we're saying uh, you know the operator should uh, should be doing, and uh, you know we're getting some resistance on that uh, going forward. So we're we're going to continue to work through those issues, but. Uh, from again, from you know, you and I were a part of the council when uh, we made it a private uh, private operator agreement, and uh, back then it was like fifteen thousand passengers coming through that airport. Uh, we're at a, at a half a million now. Uh, and, so, and, and in fairness, they have invested a significant amount of money in that place, and and I understand the frustration from people that are, are strictly using that as passenger. But a lot of the investment they've made are things that you wouldn't necessarily see as a passenger. The, the terminal is better than it was even five years ago. They, but, I mean, a lot of it's, you know, a new fuel area, things of this nature. I mean, there's, it's in other words, it's airport infrastructure, and they've, they've spent millions upon millions of dollars on that. We, but you don't necessarily see that from the window of the air, of the terminal. Yeah, I mean, they, they've made improvements in the terminal as well. There's uh, security improvements that, that had to be made. Uh, you know, the carousels are, uh, you know, additions that were, uh, were included as well. It used to be that you just needed to pick up the bag off the floor, and now the carousels are operating. And so things are improving. Uh, are they as good as, uh, you know, other major airports in the country that uh, have a far greater passenger loading? Uh, no. Uh, but on the other hand, our cargo uh, cargo loading is uh, is massive. It's probably the largest in the country. And so, you know, we kind of got a mixed blessing there. I know everybody, every passenger wants the ease of access to their airport. Uh, and that's certainly improving. And uh, as long as we continue to bring in those carriers that will uh, will provide that traffic, uh, we can continue to invest in the airport. Uh, as busy as that airport is through the course of the day, and anytime I go over there now to pick my wife up if she's flying out someplace to a conference or something, I mean, they, the parking lot's always full, mm-hmm. but it's twice as busy at night uh, yeah. because that's where most of the airport cargo stuff is done. And I, I know, I think we're probably live about 200 feet away from one of the runways. I hear that stuff all night long. And that's that's money. I mean, that's that's really where their bread and butter is. And employment. And yeah. so uh, we just signed on uh, DHL that has, uh, you know, a significant expansion happening at there. DHL is a major cargo uh, car- cargo uh, exporter around the world. They have major locations. Uh, it, it actually fell from a uh, visit we had in uh, uh, Leipzig, uh, Germany, where they have a major DHL uh, uh, operation there. And we uh, had a great meeting there a couple of years ago, and uh, we've encouraged them to make an investment in Hamilton. And they've uh, they've done that, and they're making expansions, and they're employing more people. And that area of the uh, the uh, the airport is doing very well, and employing a lot of people, and and providing a lot of tax revenue for the for the city. So. Uh, we have great success on one side of the equation, uh, a little bit more limited on the passenger side. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. It's the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us here in studio. So let me get back to the phones. Uh, lots of folks want to get involved in this. Vic, thank you for your patience. Glad you held on. Uh, go ahead for the mayor. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Vic. 
Uh, I'm calling, Mr. Mayor. I have a school over here that the city bought off the Board of Education over three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call my alderman's office. I call your office. Uh, I get no answers. The police are here at least two to four times a week, uh, taking homeless out of there, and uh, they're doing drugs and everything over there. They're mm-hmm. breaking in, mm-hmm. taking the plumbing out of there to, to get money. And uh, the last time I called your office, I was talking to him, and an officer was chasing uh, a guy around the building, and all he tells me is, I'll get back to you. I says, and that's it? And he said, yeah. I says, well, while I'm going to come down and get answers one way or another. Now, two hours later, he hung the phone up on me. He said, are you threatening me? I said, no, I'm not threatening you. He hung the phone up on me. Two hours later, I get a call from the police uh-huh. saying that I was threatening him. Uh this is the type of treatment that I get when I pay almost $4,500 a year in taxes. This school has been empty for three years. Okay, what school are we talking about, Vic? It's uh, Caledon School. Caledon School. On okay. West Mountain. All right. So uh, I, south I, of Mohawk. I, I, and, uh, I'm personally not, not familiar with the uh, the issue, but I'll certainly uh, dig in and find out for you. And uh Try and get you uh, all the answers you're looking for. Obviously, it's uh, it's at a stalemate uh, kind of condition, so uh, I'm not sure what the status of that school is. But uh, you know what, we we do everything we can to uh, to try and make it safe and uh, not have it be a problem in the neighborhood. But at the same time, uh, we have to figure out what we're going to what, what what's happening with that location. So I don't know the answer to that. He said it would cost too much money to uh, tear it down. I said a developer would love to pay the money that it costs to tear it down because all he has to do now is just come in and start building. Sure. You don't have to wait for that to be demolished. Yeah. Uh, you know? So, so I, 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 again, Vic, I don't have an answer for you right now, but I will get one for you. So if you uh, so I, I assume we have your number since you've called on a, on a number of occasions. Right. So um, uh, if uh, uh, we will uh, we will look you up and uh, we will uh, find out uh, what the status is and we'll get back to you. Right. Okay. I just want to tell you that uh, I would really love an answer because you have to call to have the grass cut. You have to call to have the snow removed and everything else. They tell you within 24 hours have your snow removed, and they don't even do they don't even do the sidewalks here you got to keep calling and calling and calling and calling uh-huh okay you know, it's it's ridiculous all right Vic. we'll get on it we'll uh, we'll find out what the status is and uh, hopefully i mean i can't imagine where it's just going to let the school sit there so there's got to be a plan and uh, i don't know if they're formulated yet but i'll find out and we'll let you know thank you very much all right thanks Vic. Have a good thanks day. for the call Vic. appreciate it uh, that's a, a, a bit of a quandary i mean if, if in fact the school has been sold or bought, purchased anyway by the city, the city doesn't usually do that unless they have a plan for the land. Well, exactly. They don't so, just say, "Yeah, we'll just take that land and figure it out later on." No, and it's uh, it's likely there there's an, an alternate use that's being developed for that that school site, or or there's uh, going to be def- demolition in the future and it'll turn into park space. I'm not sure what that plan is, but I'll find out. That's uh, just off uh, Upper James, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, now now Ward Seven. Yeah, it is yeah, now. Ward Seven now. So we'll we'll also just on the west side of Upper James. We'll also include the counselor, and we'll get uh, Vic the answers he's looking for. There we go. Nine zero five six four five thirty two twenty one. Start nine nine hundred. Variations on the theme, I guess. We're going to go to Elaine now. Hi, Elaine. Welcome to the program. Thank you, and good morning to you both. Good morning, Elaine. I have a suggestion about bullying. Mm-hmm. We have empty schools around. Why can't we turn one of them into a reform school, like when I was a kid? Just, just the very thought of a reform school sent shivers down your spine. Yeah. And you could send these bullies, that, bullies there to teach them some manners, some respect for human beings, and 
consequences for their actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, firstly, Elaine, uh, you know, I'm not not in charge of the education system, no, I, and uh, I, 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 I do appreciate that uh, back in our time, uh, Bill and I, and maybe you, uh, yeah. we had those kinds of schools, and we uh, shipped off the troubled, troubled kids to, uh, you know, what I think back then it was girls at Loretto, and uh, yes. in the East End there was another location, can't remember the name. Okay. Uh, and But the education system hasn't done that for, for many, many, many decades. And so, uh, you know, I don't know what the ultimate answer for bullying is. I think if you, if you add on... Not only you know the the normal bullying, the interaction between kids that uh, that can happen, and then layer on top of that social media, uh, it becomes a bit of a dim- double whammy. And I think there's no there's no rational reason why any of that should happen, and we we need to need to continue to combat that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying in terms of what used to happen. I'm not sure that society at large is in that space anymore. Well, they should be because it, well, it could be. Worse. Yeah, it is. Well, it seems to be getting worse, and I, you know, I'm, I, I always kind of caution people on, you know, the the pervasiveness of media doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that uh, that things are worse. You know, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Crime statistics in the city of Hamilton have been going down significantly over the last fifteen to twenty years, and uh, you know, even this this past year, the numbers in, in terms of all crimes in the city are down. I realize and the, that. And the perception in the community is that crime has gone up, and that is largely because you, you more is reported, more is reported, and I don't blame the media. I mean, I, more is reported, and it makes it appear like there is much more crime happening in uh, in Canada and in uh, in Hamilton, and that that's just not the case. Well, I understand all that, but still, right. the media could help in correcting these kids or teaching them more values and it would stop a lot of bullying i'm sure well we have the media sitting here and i can tell you yeah. that uh you know i'm i'm not sure they'll see that as their responsibility but you know no. we're all we're all responsible in some manner or another of doing our part to try and end that including educating our kids not to do this and but so i don't think this would be an easy yeah. relatively easy solution you know what yeah. I'll, I'll 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 pass it along to uh the school Our board chairs and uh see what their thoughts are and and you know i don't know if if, if that's in their mind at all but certainly they're it looking for they're looking for answers this is certainly one that could be considered. All right. Thanks so much for the call, Elaine. I, I can tell you right now the answer is no. Uh, we're, we've moved on from that sort of thing. Uh, and, and by the way, for clarification, Loretto Academy was not a uh, reform school. It was oh, a private, private girls' school. Private girls' oh, Okay. My apologies. Catholic my girls' school. Catholic girls' school. My mother went there, for God's sake. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, well, 905. She was, she was not a bad girl. Oh, oh no. God, no. 905-645-3221, star 9900. Uh, this is the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us. And uh, Rich, you're next on the program. Hi, Rich. Hi, guys. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Good morning, I Rich. to talk about um, Greensville. And, uh, I knew this uh, was going to come up today. <laughs> awesome. You know what? I, I was waiting, and I, I uh, thought I'd call in because I didn't hear you guys talk about it yet. But uh, Oh, so we, we were waiting for you to call, Rich. Awesome. Thanks, Fred. So I, I, uh, I, I bought a house on yep. Harvest Road yep. last year, and I feel like I was on one of those realtor commercials where, like, did you not get a realtor, and did they not warn you of what uh, what ascends on Greensville every weekend? So, um, yeah, I, I know that there is, we talked to Arlene, uh, our counselor, quite a bit, right. uh, and we're seeing, you know, that the, the city's trying, but... You know, Fred, is there a long-term plan for um, to deal with the? Because honestly, the, from a safety perspective, the you know someone is is going to get it get hurt by all the traffic. 
So you're talking you're talking about the access to the waterfalls and uh, all, yeah, the, all the, the parking. Yeah, access to the waterfalls. And, and there's a shuttle from Christie's. But, yep. But there's hundreds and I would say thousands of people that that park illegally in Greensville, and they're all getting ticketed, and, yep. and the bylaw officers doing their part. But uh, there's people walking through backyards and and. Uh, no, I hear you. It, I hear you. It's chaos, chaos uh, on weekends. You you have to come over, Fred. I'll I'll yeah. uh, warm up the barbecue, and you can come. Hey, over listen, my my food. favorite spot in the, in the entire city of Hamilton is Webster's Falls, and uh, you know that uh, we we uh, we actually uh, you know went for walks when uh, when my wife was pregnant. We actually named our kids there. It's uh, it, it's very near and dear to my heart, and I it, it breaks my heart to see the kind of high level of activity that's happening there that we've been struggling to control. Um, the Conservation Authority, and I think uh, Robert uh, Pazuda previously was uh, heavily engaged in that process, and we've we've instituted the uh, the shuttle to try and uh, you know stem the tide of that. We we're delighted that people are happy that uh, with uh, with our kind of waterfall and natural spaces, but the volume is just incredible. We're seeing the same at Mount Albion and uh, other locations as well, and they're parking you know here, there, and everywhere, and it's a real problem. So. I, 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 I wish I could tell you I have a magic solution for this, uh, but uh, we're, we're going to continue to work on mitigating the, uh, the impacts of what's happening that, uh, that we can't necessarily stop, but we certainly want to make sure that it's safe. And so we'll do everything we can. I don't have a, I don't have a formula in front of me. Uh, I'll certainly take it up with uh, Arlene, and I know that, that she's been hard at it, uh, you know, pushing, uh, pushing staff to, uh, to make alterations and changes that might improve things. But uh, it seems that the flow is not uh, slowing down. People are coming in droves. And, uh, you know, in part you might, might say it's a good thing, but for the people that are impacted by this, it's, uh, it's particularly unsettling and, and upsetting. So I, I, I fully understand, and we're going to do everything we can to try and mitigate this. Okay. And we have, um, you know, the Greensville residents, we've got lots of ideas, and yep. we'd love to have another town hall um, sure. about this subject and, okay. and just talk about uh, solutions because we've got, you know, we live there and, yep. and uh, we're all impacted and, and we'd love to come up with a solution because... When was the last When was the last town hall? You, you had a town hall on this, it was, did you Yeah, know? it was a, it was a uh, couple months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's gotten it's gotten worse, and it yeah. doesn't help that they, yeah, yeah. the Greensville Hill is closed and and all that stuff. So, but uh, appreciate anything you can do for. Well, us. I'll 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 certainly uh, take it up with Arlene as well, and uh, encourage the you know more more direct communications and input. I mean, uh, you know, ideas are important. Uh, obviously, you know, having resources to put them into play will be the other aspect of it. And we're we're now into our budget round, so it's probably the right time to uh, have more aggressive discussions about what some of those solutions might be. And uh, and get that on the table. So uh, I'll pass that along to Arlene and uh, our public works and our city manager, and we'll uh, see if we can pull something together a little sooner rather than the later. Thanks a lot for the call, Rich. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Nine zero five six four five thirty two twenty one. I'm frustrated people out there. Yep. We did a segment on that a couple of days ago. And some one lady, one lady called and said she looked out and there were, there's people having a picnic on her front lawn. I know it's. Uh, it, I don't know what people are thinking that uh, that are coming here. A lot of them from out of town, uh, from from Mississauga. So I spent time at both uh, Webster's and at uh, Mount Albion, where we you know have problems there as well, and uh, talked to a lot of people. And I, I find out that uh, you know, to our benefit, they're uh, they're attracted to this from uh, all over the place. And unfortunately, in volumes that uh, that really it isn't designed for, and so uh, it's going to be a problem. Now we've 
we've stopped people from standing on the edge of uh, Albion Falls and taking selfies, which uh, is really a dumb idea. Uh, we've had to put up fencing, which I don't like, quite frankly. I'd, I'd much prefer that we have uh, access to these locations so people can get in, but to, but for them to be able to do it safely, not only on site, but in the in the adjoining neighborhoods where people live. So we're we're going to have to uh, struggle through this and uh, do what we can to uh, to mitigate these impacts. Uh, back to your phone calls on the Mayor's Town Hall, the Bill Kelly Show, nine hundred CHML, and uh, Dan, you're next on the program. Hi, Dan. Hi, Bill. Hello, Mayor. How are you? Good, Dan. Thank you. Good. This is about Shadow Golf Course. Uh, can you tell me when Shadow Golf Course became a leash-free dog park? <laughs> Sorry, you got me by surprise on that one. Uh, it did not become that, but uh, tell tell me about it. It, it. it never has. Well, no. I have a little small rescue dog, and yep. I live, you know, my backyard's off the golf course. Right. And every time I go for a walk with my dog on a leash, yeah. there are there are it's got to be anywhere from six to twelve dog owners, dogs running all over the place, all over the golf course early in the morning, later on in the daytime when the golfers aren't around. Mm. Yesterday, in the middle of the daytime, while golfers were there, was a guy throwing his ball around on the fifth hole mm. on the Martin course. <laughs> so, um, you know what? I mean, my dog's a little rescue, and he is just so like he gets really upset when these dogs come racing after them. Right. And right. The, the owners have no control over it. So, I mean, you know, I've complained over the years and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. And so I don't know where the entitlement is coming from these dog owners, but, um, you know, it's, it's just not right. right. I'm wondering if, if there's anything you can do about it. Well, I'll, I'm not getting anywhere with any of your people at right. all. Uh, I'm going to let the, well, I, I, I can imagine that it's a difficult one to police. So, you know, you have to be there. You have to catch people in the act. The bylaw people have to be there. And there, there are fines for people that do not uh, keep their dog on a leash. Uh, appropriately oh, in, in the city of Hamilton, uh, you know, have they have they ever been executed? That's a good question, and I'll I'll certainly find out about that. But I, I'll, I'll remind by law, by virtue of what you're uh, telling me here, Dan, that uh, this is something mm-hmm. they're going to have to pay attention to, and maybe we can get some uh, proactive enforcement happening uh, when in early morning when uh, when th- when that's happening. So if you can provide some parameters around that. Then I can share that with our our bylaw folks and uh, encourage them to get out and uh, yeah, I've actually see if they can video. Monitor. I've got video of yeah. these people, and they get really snarly at me, threatening me and everything with the yeah. videos. And so I said, well, you know what? I mean, I don't want to see you out here again, and if I do, then I'll pass this video on to somebody that can do something. Right. But so, so, I don't want to do that. I mean, I've lived in this neighborhood for 62 years. Yep. And so, you know, I, and that golf course is very important to the community, sure. and but sure. it's not a leash-free park. Exactly. And they don't. So, yeah. Uh, well, exactly. we, and it happens. I got. I got to run. I guess I got to get one more okay. call in before but I finish. Thank right. you. So, thanks Dan, so much for this, Dan. If you could, if you could call the office at nine zero five five four six forty two hundred, just leave us some details and some you know specific information of time of day and so on, and, and contact number. Then we can pass it on the bylaw, and hopefully we can interact and uh, see if we can do something about this. All right. Let's uh, try to squeeze one more in here before we okay. have to take a break. Dave, thanks for holding on. Go ahead for the mayor. Hey, how you doing today, guys? Good morning, Dave. Just a question about Flamborough. Yep. Um, how the east side of Highway 6 is being built up rapidly with, you know, housing and everything, especially mm-hmm. through Waterdown and mm-hmm. heading north. Is there any plan on the west side? Because it just seems like uh, it's very difficult for for anybody to sever, like, even a, an acre for to sell for development or anything like that. But you see the east side being built up a whole ton. And, and um, just wondering what the future plans are going, going forward that way. 
Yeah, so, so you know, the urban boundary uh, does not at this point include the east side of, uh, of that Flamborough area. I'd have to double-check on that to see exactly where it is. But, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the landowners on the west side are, are very aggressive, and they're putting those lands into commercial and industrial use uh, quite rapidly, which is a good thing from an employment perspective. Uh, so the lands have to be uh, within the urban boundary, and they have to be, uh, you know, obviously go through a zoning process, as you probably well, are well aware. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm pretty confident that on the east side, you're not within the urban boundary, and uh, that, that precludes you from doing anything until such time as we do an expansion. And that's certainly uh, not likely on the horizon anytime soon, but in discussion at the moment at council in terms of uh, grids, Grids, which is the uh, the growth uh, growth and development plan that uh, we're reviewing right now, and what lands should or could be included for future development uh, as we go forward. So that's a, it's a timely discussion, and if uh, you want to engage in that, certainly uh, you can call my office as well, and I can give you some details around how that's happening and uh, and when. Uh, again, 905-546-4200. Uh, give us a call, and we'll uh, we'll give you some information about how this grids growth management process is coming along and what's included and what's not included. Okay, Dave, i got to scoot here. We're just about out of time. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks as always for this. Thank you. 546-4200. If you have any other questions, you can reach the mayor at Hamilton City Hall. Uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, have a great day, and we'll talk elections sometime down the road. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. we'll get into that again. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Interesting stuff going on. We know, of course, that uh, Doug Ford dissolved uh, the parliament, uh, the uh, provincial parliament, of course, in June. And uh, much to the surprise of an awful lot of people said, well, they're not going to go back until after the federal election, which, of course, spawned all sorts of rumors that, well, this was a, a, a strategy that was worked out with the federal conservatives. And, of course, everybody's denied it. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, we haven't seen a whole lot of the premier. Uh, some suggesting that uh, this was all part of a political strategy. Well, the election's over. Uh, there have been some meetings, we were told, that allegedly the, the premier attended, but uh, the media can't necessarily confirm that because apparently the, the, the premier went outside doors as opposed to uh, facing the media, talking to the media, uh, as is usually the custom at Queen's Park. And then there were a couple of incidents earlier this week which are rather bizarre. And, and to give you the details on this, I want to uh, get Travis Danraj into the conversation here. Travis, of course, is the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News, and he joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show. Travis, thank you for the time. Great to have you with us today. No problem. Anytime. Happy to be here. I'm always afraid I'm going to take you away from a media scrum with the <laughs> Premier, but that's not happening, is it? <laughs> well, he has, he's been laying low, as you've been mentioning. Have, have, uh, have any of you guys filed a missing persons report for this guy? <laughs> you know what? It's funny because he did appear uh, today, actually, for the first time in five months uh, on some media outlets. We, you know, Global News asked for an interview with the Premier. Uh, however, his office declined that. But, you know, certainly he hasn't been out front and center. And, and of course, that had a lot to do with the federal election campaign, even though this morning in the two interviews that I think he did this morning, one in Ottawa and one here in Toronto. He said that, you know, he was busy uh, being the premier of the province, and he, in fact, called Andrew Shear and told uh, Mr. Shear that he uh, he couldn't get involved, didn't want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, uh, well, well, we'll take that for what it's worth. But explain what happened earlier this week, though. I know there was a meeting up in Blue Mountain that, uh, that you guys were not allowed to attend, so, and, and then this really, really weird thing yesterday. Yeah, so, I mean, access for us, to the premier has been a bit of an issue. I mean, since he took office, but particularly over the past five months uh, during the federal election campaign. Uh, and and on Tuesday he had an event 
uh, he was at the OPP association meeting, and he had an announcement about, uh, you know, in, injecting some funding for uh, fighting crime in the province. Uh, we found out about this through the premier's office. The event closed to media. No reporters, no cameras allowed in, no questions to the premier. Then the next day, yesterday, uh, he had a, a what was called a fireside chat at C.D. Howe Institute, which is a, a research institute that's funded by corporations and business people. So we got a note from the premier's office that he was having this chat and talking about, you know, some provincial issues. Uh, about 34 minutes before it actually happened, they told us that there would be a live stream provided, but uh, no reporters, no questions, no cameras once again. Um, and they, you know, we called and asked, why, why is this the case? And they said, well, it's because this venue and the organization that's holding this fireside chat, C.D. Howe, that's their policy. It's a closed event. So I called C.D. Howe. And you I, had the audacity to actually fact-check that, Travis? I, I, I actually fact-checked oh my goodness. that. And what do you know? C.D. Howe said, no, that's not the case. The premier's office actually, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't ask us if, if media can come in or not. And, of course, media would be allowed. Now, we, we couldn't really get down there with 34 minutes' notice, so by the time we found all this out, uh, Premier was who knows where, uh, but nowhere near reporters. So, you know, th- this has been a bit of a cat and mouse game with the press uh, for the past little while. There's a cabinet meeting today at 1230 at Queen's Park. The Premier, you know, normally would go through the front door of the executive council chamber and, and walk past the media. That hasn't happened once with Doug Ford. He goes through the back hallways uh, and enters that uh, that that meeting room, unbeknownst to the media, and he's snuck out into his vehicle and leaves Queens Park. And and this defies tradition. And and I'm not suggesting there's any hard and fast rule. But heck, even Donald Trump goes and talks to other media people besides Fox News. But anybody who's ever watched, the, well, you're obviously at Global News. Uh, there's always those scrums right outside the legislature. And and it's, whether you're the premier, or it's Mike Harris or Dalton McGinney or Kathleen Wynne or whomever. They always go out there and they face the questions. They talk about whatever else must just happen in the chamber or, or prominent cabinet ministers, et cetera. Uh, well, and it's all about accountability, isn't it? Well, 100%. And, I mean, he, you know, the, this break that they've been on for the past five months, 144 days to be exact, will be over come Monday. There will be question period on Monday. Uh, and he will certainly have to face questions on a number of issues from the opposition but uh, you know the, the media have the questions as well and, and and when it comes to transparency and access you know we were trying to get the premier's schedule something that usually when Kathleen Wynne and previous premiers has been released you knew where the premier was going to be if he was having a public event or they were having a public event you would know that uh, premier's office got back to us and said, if you want access to the premier's daily itineraries, you have to file what's called an FOI request, which is a freedom of information request. So that can sometimes take months. So they're, they're insulating the premier, they're putting up walls, and then when they do do media, they're doing selective media that are, you know, sometimes friendly to uh, the premier. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not the usual situation as it has been previously with other premiers. And I understand there's a, there's, the frustration here is doubled by the fact that uh, they'll point to, to guys like you and, and, and others that are in the Queen's Park core there and simply say, well, you, you're not telling the story. In other words, they simply want you to regurgitate what they give you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's that's part of our job to kind of uh, move past those, those talking points. But part of 
the job as well is is you know us being able to do our job is having access. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, you'll just get a statement or something written, and sometimes things require a little bit more than that. Um, you know, we will see if the premier wants to to sit down with us at some point. The last time we did a sit down interview with him, I think was possibly about a year ago or so. I have to check the date on that, but uh, it's been a little while. Um, so, and there's, there's, you know, it's not like for the past five months there hasn't been a lot going on. There was a uh, QP possible strike that was looming. Uh, you know, there, there are a number of issues that have happened that would, one would think the premier would be out in front. Will that change come Monday when the legislature resumes? I don't know, but there's a lot of battles ahead. Well, that's even a, a question that, that's uh, hanging out there, isn't it, Travis? Because he doesn't always show up for question period either. No, and that, that you know we did a story at one point on his uh, uh, attendance record, yeah. um, you know, and and when we question the premier's office about that, they say, listen, he he doesn't always have to be in question period because he's out meeting with the people across the province in on on Ontario. Uh, he he has say, uh, and I should say this, he has had two media availabilities in the past five months with the Queens Park Press Gallery. Now. The location of those a little bit tricky to get to when you know all of our offices uh, in, in the gallery are at Queens Park downtown Toronto. One of the press availabilities was at the International Plowing Matchup in North Bay. The other one was 1,900 kilometers away in Kenora, which was last week, and he you know just took a couple of questions and that's it. So you know, is this strategy working? Uh, I mean, I, I think the, the premier's team thinks it is. I'm not sure everybody else believes that though uh i i i applaud you for your your doggedness on this and, and others in in the queen's park gallery travis for trying to get this going and try to get some answers and, and just ask you know the basic questions and i i just want to reiterate uh, that all the years we've been watching this whether it's you or alan before you or any number of other folks that have done this all the way back to well you name it uh, Mike Harris, they all, they come out and they face the media and they talk to the media. Sometimes they don't like it, but they do it anyway because it goes with the job. Uh, it sounds like this premier doesn't, hasn't had that memo yet. He, he hasn't. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't think uh, what, the past couple of months have been completely due to the fact that he's wanted to stay out of the spotlight. I think that was, uh, you know, a concerted effort from the federal conservatives to keep him uh, out of the spotlight. I mean, you know, look at when Andrew Scheer was here in Ontario. He was, I think, two blocks away from the premier's home, and he was campaigning with Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta. So, uh, I mean, that was an effort to... um, move Ford out of the spotlight because they thought that it, he would hurt Andrew Scheer. Uh, and, you know, there was reporting, Robert Bensey, who's with the Toronto Star, did some reporting during that period. Uh, and his sources told him that, you know, the Premier was ready to come out. He wanted to come out, and essentially he was muzzled. So, I mean, leash is off now, I guess, from the federal Conservatives. Will we see more of him? Well, he's done two media interviews today, so perhaps we'll see more of the Premier. We can cross our fingers and wait to hear back on that media request that we put in. Well, if there's a, a premier sighting today, what's, do we get six weeks of what now? I don't know what. what <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll do it. The answer tonight will be on Global News at 5.30 and 6. We'll be watching for it then. Very good. Travis, thanks as always. Great Appreciate talking it. with you.
Take Travis Donraj, of course, uh, who is the uh, Queens Park Bureau Chief with Global News. I want to bring a friend in, uh, Richard Brennan, who covered Queens Park for many, many years, uh, through all kinds of administrations and all kinds of people that uh, held that premier's job. Uh, Badger, thanks for jumping in here. Uh, th- th- this is curiouser and curiouser as you see the way that this is going on, not just about you know being a no-show all through the federal campaign, but basically ducking out on the media every chance he gets. Well, I think you might see that change. I I predict that you're going to see a kinder, gentler government start pretty soon. Uh, you know, as they look down the road to the next election, I think, uh, yeah, you'll see a lot more of of the premier than certainly you've seen in the last what four months or whatever. Uh, he was in the witness protection program before that. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it, you're you're going to see a real sea change, I believe. And uh, getting back to his 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 uh, his disappearance, I think that was a mistake on his part. Uh, I know that he was trying to be a loyal soldier and 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 help the uh, conservatives out, but it it just painted him as weak, and you know willing willing to to sit back and have the federal government dictate. To a, you know, a premier who won by handily in the last election, and you've got Sheer telling him what to do. I, I know what I would have told Mr. Sheer. Well, you know what's interesting about that? I, I did a segment uh, with our, our Global News colleague, uh, Danielle Smith, out in, the, in the Calgary just the other day, the day after the election, in fact. And that's that's what she was asking. She says the question we had in Alberta is why isn't uh, Ford campaigning in Ontario or someplace else? Because he he was the guy for the longest time. I mean, there were there were rumors, as you and I talked about back then, that that listen, he's he was probably going to be the next leader of the federal party, and then he had ambitions to to go all the way to the top right now. And all of well, a sudden, those, for him those to go, ambitions are dead. Well, yeah. But he's persona non grata, and he looks subservient to Andrew Scheer, and I don't think that's that that was not part of Ford's game plan anyway. I don't know who advised him to do that. Uh, I think it was a complete mistake on his part, and uh, and the people advisors that you know the people that you know convinced him to do it, I think you know should maybe start looking for uh, work because that it was just it just wasn't the thing to do for a the premier of the largest province in the country to be, like you say, subservient to the conservative leader. Uh, just doesn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense back when it was happening. doesn't make sense to me now. But you are going to see, in my estimation, a lot more of the premier, and he's going to be a, a different a different guy. He's going to be, the, like I say, he's going to be turned into the, you know, the good, good humor man. He's got a new chief of staff. Uh, is 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 the makeover? Maybe that was what the five months was for. Maybe the, the this was all you know, part of a grand plan to to make over Doug Ford. Well, it maybe. I mean, Jamie Wallace. I can see his his uh, his handprints on this already in terms of just backing off and looking looking down the road to see you know what changes they can make. And stop breaking the furniture, and I think that's what Jamie's done. And I, I, can, I can see it. It's, it's you know, it, it's really kind of around the edges at this point, but it's being done. And you know, they know that they've got to change, and you know, bring in bring in change, but change themselves 
if they want to be elected, you know, what is it, you know, two and a half years from now or whatever. But they're going to have to face the media. And and I know that they've tried to, you know, as often as they could anyway, uh, denigrate the media and say, well, they're the, you know, they're the enemy. They're, you know, you guys ask tough questions and that's, that's uncomfortable. And, you know, and then you filter it out and you don't actually get our message across. And as I was just talking about with Travis, and you faced this for years and years and years, uh, you are not, as a, as a member of the Queen's Park uh, media crew there, you're not responsible for simply regurgitating the press releases these guys put out. Your job is to get to the bottom of the story, and, and you did a great a great job at that. Rob Benzie does a great job. Travis does. Alan Carter did. Uh, and it may be to the chagrin of the government, but that's part of the game, isn't it? I used to cry myself to sleep every night worrying about <laughs> what the government thought of me. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just, as a good reporter, uh, you can't worry about what the government or what a particular minister or the premier think of you. You've got a job to do. I always, I always tell people, you know, they say, "Well, you're you're so tough, you know, you know, can, well, you know, why why can't you be nicer than premier or whatever minister?" And I said, "You know what? I think back to whenever I hear that, I'd say, you know, the people out there would probably ask tougher questions than I'm asking because on specific issues." People want to know how their money's being spent and what the government's doing to make their lives better. And, and it's, that's basically what it boils down to. And people out there will let you know in a big hurry, probably even faster than the reporters, what they want and where they want to go. Well, and like I say, they've all uh, had to do it. I mean, you know, conservative, liberal, NDP, if you're, if you're the, the premier, you have a responsibility uh, to face the media because the media obviously are the ones that uh, that have to get to the truth in situations like this. I'll, I'll, I'll watch with great interest, uh, actually, Richard, to see just how this rolls out. He's supposed to get back to work, I guess, officially on Monday uh, of next week, and we'll see if we've got a kinder, gentler Doug Ford. Well, mark my word, you're, you're going to see a sea change. Oh, well, we'll find out soon enough. But I've been wrong before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, uh, Badger, thanks for this. We'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks, Bill. You Bye. Betcha. Richard Brennan, of course, uh, who covered Queen's Park for many, many years for the Toronto Star. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.